Welcome to Selfed. I guess after last week, I should probably look at a different subtitle for the podcast. Instead of self-education, your future self will thank you for. Now that I've acknowledged that this is actually for me and that this is my identity, discovery, exploration, and expression. I don't know. We'll play around with that. But for now, we'll just stick to what we got. That way I don't have to change the logo and it can be something that stays consistent until there's a need for any sort of tweaking or adapting to the title. I would like to say today, just kind of as a follow up from episode three, uh, talking about my fear of success and how I look at money as being inherently a bad thing needing to challenge my beliefs with the behavior of looking at success, not necessarily to tie into money, but as the creation of opportunities. And what that looks like is progression through some sort of a process. So basically consistency in doing something, consistency in itself being what success is. And then reframing my belief about money, because even now, like looking back, the money that I have and that's coming in is being used towards something good through my nonprofit, something positive for positive people, paying for people to get therapy, like just point blank, period. Uh, so I've been challenging that since I had that thought process of making the reframe, overriding those belief systems that I had with my behavior. And I can say that I feel different. Uh, I feel more aligned, really, in who I am. And like I mentioned, the overarching goal and driving force in my existence is connection, whatever that may look like. So I feel connected to the people that I'm supporting. I feel connected to my identities. I feel connected to the world around me. And with that connection, I almost feel like I know shit that I have absolutely no way of knowing. And being able to lean into that knowing offers me a sense of uh, peace. Like I feel at peace with whatever chaos is going on around me. So uh, yeah, if you are someone who's been following along from the first episode and you've been implementing these things, uh, I challenge you to take a moment and just reflect on how you've been able to uh, see any sort of changes or how you've been adding to your uh, if you've been incorporating what I'm saying into your life or if you see parallels and you want to make any kind of shift like just think about that for yourself and maybe you'd want to even just journal or hell start recording your own podcast even if it's just to yourself but I find that processing out loud and talking when you're talking to a void in a sense um, you get to hear yourself whereas writing yeah it's coming out and you see it as you're writing it but here I'm saying it and as I'm saying it, I don't even think I have time enough to think about the next thing that I'm going to say is genuinely just speaking from the core of my identity, which is those values that I've created for myself. So I just sort of chose my identity. And I think that we all have the opportunity to do that. Uh, so, yeah, I just wanted to give that little bit of follow up before going into what I want to talk about today, uh, because it is a really smooth transition into asking the question of why is it that completely normal things, things that should happen based on 
our effort and our actions and timing we we view that as weird or we view that as just not normal or we're surprised by it yeah let's let's take it there why are we surprised by what should be the norm and then conditioned yeah conditioned to be so like like turned off I guess by or numb to the things that just aren't normal trauma being a perfect example um seeing death in media seeing just messed up stuff it's like becoming desensitized to it to the point where that's normal but seeing someone do something good in real life like uh watching someone tie an elderly lady's shoes who's walking on a walker or seeing someone give some food to a person who appears to not be able to purchase food for themselves um or just good stuff period like why is it that good and even basic human decency is just so wowing to us and negative behavior or things that aren't good are more so just normal right I can't quite put my finger on exactly how I want to word this, but I even can say from my own experiences and experiences with other people, um, I use the example of the bar being set really low in dating. Uh, People who mess up make it so easy for me to exceed expectations. For example, if I do something as little as make a plan, show up on time, Show up where I said we're going to be when I said we're going to be there. Take in something into consideration like, hey, we're going to be doing something that's active. So maybe you should wear something that's comfortable prior to the time of the date. Um, Paying for whatever it is that I'm proposing for a date. Uh, Communicating, saying, hey, I'm not going to be able to talk for a little while because I'm doing this thing. These little general things are so amplified and people are shocked by them and we can take it to the next level of physical intimacy where i'm asking a potential partner hey what do you like what do you want like i'm talking about sex even so in even just talking about sex being willing to talk about it and talk about um, sexually transmitted infection testing stis it's it, it blows women's minds when I do those kinds of things. Yet, (laughs) on the other side of that, not showing up on time, like these things are expected and still somewhat rewarded. And it's almost as if people are numb to the negative behavior and just like thrown off and shocked by what should be considered basic human decency or just the bare minimum, the standard. Like, Showing up, I should get bonus points for showing up. I asked you to be here, right? So that's just in using dating as an example. But in my personal experience, I find myself really, really shocked by the way things are going when they go well. So as I finish my yoga teacher training, 
I don't know why it was such a surprise to me that I actually got my yoga teacher certification. I don't know why it's a surprise to me that the gym that I've worked at has survived the pandemic. I don't know why I'm so shocked that I am on the fourth episode of Self. I don't know why I'm so shocked that I'm having these realizations that just come from having these moments of clarity, uh, even with talking about my fear of success. I don't know why I'm so surprised by the fact that I'm, I'm healing, that I'm seeing a therapist, that the way that I've wanted for my nonprofit to develop has happened. I cannot explain to you why that is. <laughs> Yet, when things go wrong, it's like, oh, that's expected. When, let me see, what's a good example here? When uh, podcast guests for something positive for positive people have ghosted me in the past, you know, that wasn't a surprise. That was expected. Um, whenever I disclose my SCI status to someone that I have herpes, I expect to receive a negative response. When I reach out to a new client about coming to train at the gym, I expect them to not reply. But then when they do, or when it's received well, or when they show up, I'm like, oh man, yeah, you made it. Why? Why isn't that the norm? Why isn't that the expectation? Why is it not expected that if I am putting in the effort, if I am uh in alignment, if I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and I'm true to who I am and I'm preparing myself to, again, go into creating opportunities and I'm seeing progress through my processes, right? Because that's what success is now. Then why am I not like looking at this as just the next step in the process? This should just be progress. People showing up should be progress in the process. And a success in itself. I ought to be expecting success because I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And let's parallel that to dating. When you're when you know what you want, when you know who you are, and you can answer questions like, where do you what 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 do you want from a particular person? Based on what they've given you so far, you should be able to answer that you know, pretty soon just from dialogue, being around one another. And maybe if you have sex or um, if you have several experiences together in a short period of time, you should be able to say what you want from a person, even if you can't say what you want, period. You can say what you like about a person or like from a person, um, but it should not be expected that it isn't going to work out or that there are no that, that there are no expectations because no expectation is an expectation. Let's make sure and put that out there clearly, because the expectations is, is that there are none. And then you get the questioning. Well, what's an expectation? What's not an expectation? Right. <laughs> uh, and it gets it just gets tricky there. But when someone does the bare minimum, when they meet the standards, you, you can't really measure whether or not someone meets or exceeds standards if you don't know what those are for yourself either. So 
for me, I think I have my own standards that I project onto other people. If I'm asking you out, I expect that you expect me to be there. And when I say we're going to be there and yeah, I may have given you the place that we're going to be, but you may not necessarily know what that entails or what type of activities there are going to be. So I would just have basic human decency and let you know, hey, here's what we're doing. Here's where we are. Here's what you need to know. Offer that information. People shouldn't be surprised by that. Sex is a very intimate thing and you're, you're being very vulnerable with someone and opening up your body to them. You're trusting your physical space and emotional space with another human being. So why is it that we can't talk about that and speak through standards and expectations of what the experience would need to look like in order for us to get what it is that we want out of it, which is ultimately, I believe, connection. Some people just may want the physical feeling, and that's okay. Some people may want to uh, avoid something. Some people just may want to feel something. And again, all of these are okay. The healthy way of going about it is just knowing what your intention is as you navigate it. But to, to be met with the kind of surprise that I'm met with from just <laughs> communicating, <laughs> um, I see that in myself. And I notice that the world around me reflects back to me what I'm projecting. And what it is that I'm projecting is 100% a, um, it's an expression of what my genuine beliefs are about the world. So I make it a point to, you know, be communicative, to be transparent, consistent, and mature um, in that communication. And it surprises people because I'm surprised whenever I get that in return or when I get that from other people. Um, my partner, she always says, you get so excited about food. Why am I getting so excited about, why do I get excited about that? Of all things, I know that I am capable of feeding myself. I know that food makes me happy, especially when it's something that I want. But I think that there's this uh, this expectation. Maybe it's a reflection of my dreams, too, because I always have this dream where I, uh, I I'm in a buffet line of just the most my favorite food is Chinese food. Sometimes there's Chinese food. And then my second favorite food is seafood. So like I'm piling my plate. I got two plates even. I'm putting everything I want on there. Just a little bit of everything because I, I like the variety. Um, I load up my plates and then I walk past people. I'm saying hi. I haven't sampled anything. I sit down at the table and I pull my chair out. I get my drink ready. I got my fork laid out, napkin tucked into my collar and on my lap because I know I'm about to make a mess. Put my hand sanitizer on. My hands are clean. I lift my fork. I stab into that first piece of whatever it is that I'm about to put into my mouth. And then I wake up. Based on that dream and based on my reality, I think that's what I expect. I expect to, or I, I, yeah, I expect to put all of this effort and work in. And again, I think this might even tie into my fear of success. Like my dreams are reflecting my reality. You know, you get to a certain point of where you might even self-sabotage from achieving success by your own definition. So in that dream, success would have just enjoying the success would have just been being able to eat that food. 
reaping the benefits. I had to pay whatever it cost to get into the restaurant. I had to get to the restaurant. Once I got there, I had to get seated, get my plates and load up the plates. Like these are, I guess that's the work that goes into having earned the money to get to the food and then get to the point where I'm about to eat it and I just can't. What does that look like in reality? I think that that looks like in reality, um, getting to a certain place of having achieved success or needing to take a next step or make a transition into uh, something else. And then you get there and you don't really know what to do. Maybe you freeze. Maybe you just stop. Maybe you avoid taking the next step or maybe you genuinely don't know what it is. But that's kind of what I see it as. I see it as, uh oh, I'm, I'm at the brink of getting exactly what I want, getting everything that I work for, being able to enjoy the benefits of it. Let me walk away from it. <laughs> let me let me go over here. I, I don't know if I really want this. I just want to go ahead and repeat the prog- process of making progress and then having uh, maybe created the opportunity, but then not stepping into it. So I created the opportunity for me to enjoy this variety of food and then I don't eat it. I created the opportunity for me to perhaps make a ton of money um, through the work that I do. But then I don't. I just don't step into it. Right. And it just it, it really looks like that expectation being um, being mirrored by my behavior, the belief in behavior going hand in hand. So if I believe that I can only make it to a certain point and my behavior only gets me to a certain point, you know, those two things work together in being the truth. But the difference maker here is choice. So I have to choose to, despite my behavior patterns and my beliefs being in alignment, step outside of that so that my reality can reflect my dream. So in my dreams, I can't ever make it to that bite because I wake up. In my reality, I won't take that step because in my dreams, my dreams are telling me, hey, you you can't take that step. You won't take that step. But I have the conscious choice of being able to do so. And maybe that looks like sending a text message to a contact about an opportunity. Maybe that looks like sending an email to a business that often makes donations to nonprofits or funds nonprofits that are doing things that align with their values. And yeah, I I need to make sure that I'm challenging that. But again, it just goes back to expecting the like being numb to the things that shouldn't be happening like failure. And then being shocked when things go my way. I look back and I think back to um, another dream that I had where I was young. My my parents, I've never seen them together. They've not been together as long as I can remember, at least. I used to go to my dad's on weekends. My dad would come pick me up. He had this uh, like copper colored car. It was maybe a little bit more dark than a penny. And. So in in this dream, we'd be getting out of that car. He'd park on the right side in front of the house. I can remember uh, the street was Thecla that we used to live on here in St. Louis, Missouri, in uh, the city. And um, he'd park houses at the top of the hill at a a corner. I forget. I think Nesbitt and Thecla right there. 
And so he uh, would get out and he'd walk to the door. I'd get out of the back seat and I would walk around the left side of the car. Now, mind you, the curb's on the right. So I walk, I'm in the street, shut the door, and then I walk. And I walk by this sewer and something grabs me by my leg in this dream. And it's pulling me. And I remember uh, like screaming for help. And I can see my dad like opening the door like he always does, open the door, lets me in. And I, I, I walk in behind him. He opens the door, he's putting the keys in, and then he's walking through. And I'm like screaming, but nothing's coming out. Nothing's coming out. And I wake up. I don't ever really get down into the sewer. I just wake up and I'm like, damn. You know, you wake up breathing heavy. And this has been a reoccurring dream for me. I remember how young I was in that dream. I don't know if my little brothers were born yet, but they would have been really small if that were the case. Um, So I had to have been maybe somewhere between seven and ten years old, I would say. And I recently processed this because I had a I sent my dad. I wrote a journal entry and this is a whole nother conversation. But basically through journaling discovered that there's a connection between my excitement about things setting me up to expect disappointment and that being because of my dad my dad in my experience um, has had a history of saying he's going to do something and then not doing it and I think that even the saying that you're going to do something and then going through the process of making me believe that it's going to happen progressing through that process of whatever it is that's happening getting to this the point of it needing to happen and then not happening perhaps that's what primed me to be where I'm at to where when I have dreams about making my plate I don't get to eat it when I'm in life and I'm able to step into success and be able to do all of the things that I want to do or do what it is that I've set out to do what I said I'm going to do and then not be able to do it or just not do it think they're connected so my initial memories about the experiences that I've had with my dad have been more disappointment coming from expecting from uh, being excited and having an expectation and then expecting disappointment as a result of getting excited so I will say that um, and mind you, this was something that I've already I've processed it. I talked to my dad about it, and um, he, yeah, I, again, conversation for another time. But I've looked at that and made that determination, or I've determined that to be what the case is: is that oh, I expect to be disappointed whenever I'm excited. So the way that that parallels this idea of success and being numb to the negative, which would be disappointment. Like I'm, I'm numb to disappointment because I expect that. And then being super enthusiastic about things happening as they should. You say you're going to do something, you take the steps to do it. And then it's done when it's done. I'm like, Whoa, I can't believe that happened. Or when it's at a certain place beyond the, the piece of disappointment, then I'm excited. I don't know how many people can really relate to this whole thing. I don't know how many other experiences that I've had that I can say were disappointing. Um, 
because I've developed this numbness, this expectation to disappointment or just things not going my way. Like I'm very resilient in that sense of being able to handle things not going my way, but I'm not resilient in things going my way. And I think that that's where I struggle right now the most is with letting things happen for me the way that they should happen. Because I I shouldn't be expecting disappointment. I shouldn't be expecting failure because I'm the one that's responsible for my success. It's in my hands. I'm the one creating the processes. I'm the one who's making the progress. And I'm the one that's creating the opportunities. So the world is now reflecting that back to me as I take the action in doing so. Um... And just to, I want to wrap up the whole reason I brought up that dream um, about being pulled into the sewer. It was because not me screaming as loud as I can at the top of my lungs to get my dad's help uh, wasn't like nothing was coming out. I don't think that that was what it was. I look back on that dream and I recognize I wasn't screaming. I wasn't asking for help because I expected for my dad to not help me. I expected to be disappointed. And the pain of the disappointment of my dad not coming to help me when I needed it most far outweighed whatever pain was awaiting me down in that sewer. The unknown, the the uncomfortable. I would rather go through that struggle by myself than to ask someone for help and not get it because they can disappoint me and disappointment probably hurts more than anything so to cope with the feelings of disappointment i've created this whole entire fucking numbing mechanism in order to cope with disappointment and after talking to my dad we uh I remember the first thing he said to me after he had listened to it because I wrote it down and then I just recorded myself reading it. He listened to it. He was like, son, I never knew that you needed anything. You have always like been self-sufficient or independent. And when he said that, like, I just I just felt chills run through my body. I was like, damn, I do act like I don't need anything. And I never knew that this was something that I even did in childhood. Now, mind you, like, ain't no excuses. You, you the parent. You're supposed to know when your kids need something. <laughs> um, but I didn't ask for help. I still don't. Um, working on it. And I recognize now that in doing so, people want to help you. People want to help me. Um, I do still struggle there's not a percentage that I can give but I do struggle uh sometimes with getting to a point of wanting to ask someone for help and then I get to the point of uh making my ask and then I just don't because I feel I I talk myself out of it I think myself out of it But then when I do ask for help and I get it or when people offer help based on what I share with them about what my goals are or what I'm working on or where I'm at in a project, people offer help. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is just the nicest thing. But, you know, not to say not to expect, because I think that there's a level of entitlement that comes with expecting people to just volunteer to help you. But 
people have just wanted to genuinely support what I do. People genuinely want to support me as an individual. And if they don't know that I need help or if they don't know what I need, how can I how can they help? How can I continue to create opportunities if I'm at the point of getting stuck to where the next step stepping into the creation of an opportunity is as simple as just being able to ask for what I need or ask for help because people don't know if you don't ask. But I expect that if I share with people what I need, that they're going to disappoint me. I am directly challenging that right now as we speak. I am putting together uh, a survey. And as I've been putting together this survey, I've collected you know, the type of information and data that people uh, in regards to this survey would like to see. And I've gotten it. I wrote it down. I put the work in and sorted through the questions. Yes, there were some duplicates, but... I told a friend about what I was doing and she goes, well, you know, that's what I do for my job, right? Like I create surveys that present data in this way. I was like, I had no idea. And she's like, yeah, like if you want someone to look over this, let me know. And so at that point, all I had to do was ask. And I asked, it's like, okay, well, can you look over the questions and just let me know if I'm presenting them in a way that's going to present that data back? She's like, yeah, that's easy. I got you. It was as simple as that, like right there. It was right there. I created the process. I made progress through the process. I got to the point of being able to create that opportunity where I was just like kind of stuck. And then even in just talking about it, bam, that's what it was. And I didn't have time to expect disappointment. I got excited because she gave me feedback so quickly. And that wasn't expected. So not having expected that or even put a deadline to it, I didn't have an opportunity for me to get disappointed or even, you know, my excitement stayed up. Like I was just excited that this had just happened. So I get excited after things happen or after I'm seeing the rewards or after um, at the end of the tunnel is when I try and let myself get excited. But why can't you be excited throughout the process of something, Courtney? Is what I need to ask myself. Is there not a way for me to just be excited about something new that I'm starting? Be excited in the middle of the process? Can I have the expectation of success? Like, let success be the standard. The standard is success. And anything that's not like, let that be the disappointment and then hurry up and move on. Take whatever lesson it is that comes with the disappointment and then apply it to um, apply it to my effort towards success, the creation of opportunities. It shouldn't be weird or uncomfortable that things are going well or going right. Like people ask me, how are you? And I start to tell them. And as I'm telling them, I'm like, why? Why is this weird? This is what's supposed to happen next. I'm supposed to be paying for people's therapy um, through something positive for positive people. I'm supposed to be sitting right here recording this podcast episode of self. I'm supposed to be teaching yoga. 
I'm supposed to be making money as a personal trainer. I'm supposed to be going on the trips that I'm supposed to go to, building community, managing relationships. I'm supposed to be developing the connections that I'm developing and meeting interesting people and having engaging conversations and working toward what I believe to be my purpose. I'm supposed to be having this self-discovery, exploration, and expression. I'm supposed to be healing. What are you supposed to be doing right now? In what ways can you say that you go into an interaction or a situation and you expect disappointment? Despite how much work you've put in, despite whatever education you have, life experiences that you have, it's important for you to take a moment and acknowledge that whatever it is that's about to happen next, you already prepared for. And I even got to tell myself this. I have to tell myself this because I forget. <laughs> I will forget. I will I will hit stop on this podcast, go through the uploading process, type up the uh, the description of the episode, and then I will walk clean out of here and act like nothing ever happened. But saying it, putting it out there on display, it creates an added level of accountability. So I have to I have to hold on to this in some way for me to a not repeat myself on next week's episode or later down the line, bring up the same thing that's already come up because I should be in a different place in my life at that point. Like I said to everyone who's listened to the first episode, you know, be consistent if you're going to come here. And you're going to um, if you are getting anything out of this, if you want to take something away from here because it parallels your life and you want to break a pattern, make a change, challenge your beliefs. Do that. And then you got to move forward. We can't get we can't get stuck. We can't get stuck. So I can't get stuck in um, not knowing what my core values are. I can't get stuck in not honoring the connections that align with my core values and my relationship boundaries. I can't not follow my intuition. I can't not discover, explore, and express my identities. You you can't you can't do that. You can't bring something out and then unsee it or unknow it anymore. Now that it's out there, it's got to. There has to be follow through. It's as simple as that. This is accountability for me. Let this serve as accountability for you as well. You know, let's go through this journey of 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 self self education, identity uh, expression together. You know, I'm I'm gonna continue doing this because it feels good. It feels good for me. I am having moments of identity discovery and exploration and expression. This is my space to do that. Allow yourself to, as you develop your own self-identity, as you experience your own experiences through life, let those be your self-education pieces as well. And then apply it. Apply it. Apply it to just your identity expression, whatever that may look like for you.
nor mine looks like, looks like this podcast. I didn't realize that that was what it looked like uh, until I began talking through it. This is what when people say doing the work looks like. I think that the work is discovering your identity, exploring it and expressing it. That's the work. If we're defining the work, that's what it is. Do the work means discover, explore and express your identity. That's what self-care is. That's what self-care is identity care. That was the last episode, right? So what does it mean to do the work? It means having identity care. It means going through those. Doing the work is a commitment to self-discovery, exploration, and expression. We can leave on that one. That's what we can leave on. All right. If you enjoyed this episode, please just subscribe to the podcast. Give it a like, rating, and review. Um, If this is something that you feel parallels your life, implement it, however that may look for you. Um, And if you have any feedback that you want to leave me, you can do it in the um, podcast notes or whatever. Or you can just email me directly, Courtney at selfpodcast.com. Again, that's Courtney at selfpodcast.com. Thank you so much for being here.